Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Rulo here with a returning Firebird Award winning author to share with you. She is Valerie Taylor, and this winning book title is What's Not True. Valerie's book titled What's Not Said won in a previous Firebird Book Award contest. Valerie was born and raised in Stamford, Connecticut. She had a 30 year career in the financial services industry as a marketer and a writer. After her divorce, she spread her wings and relocated her career, first to Boston and then to Seattle. And when she retired, she resettled in her home state to be near her two grown children and granddaughter. She is a published book reviewer and a member of the Westport Writers Workshop, Women's Fiction's Writers Association, and the Independent Book Publishers Association. What's Not True is the sequel to What's Not Said, which was published in 2020. The next book in this trilogy is in the works, and I'm looking forward to our second conversation. So welcome back, Valerie. Well, thank you, Pat, and thank you, Speak Up Talk Radio, for inviting me back and for the great um, awards that I, I recently received for What's Not True. I am, I am blessed and humbled and honored by all of it. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for finding us, and yeah, after What's Not Said... When we talked about entering what's not true, I was hoping that it would mm-hmm. that it would receive awards. Not that I'm a judge, so I'm I, I never have any say so in that. So it's always a pleasant surprise to me. So then I knew we were going to have another opportunity to talk. So I was looking looking forward to this today. Thank you. We always have so much to say. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, we do, don't we? <laughs> we do. Yeah, and that's a good thing. It is a good thing. It's not going to be a boring conversation. But at least we know that at the, at the get-go. All righty. Well, why don't we start, as we did last time, to share a peek into this book as we continue with Cassie O'Callaghan. Yeah. So thank you again. And What's Not True is a romantic comedy. And it's actually um, beginning to uh, become recognized as that, um, as part of what I consider now the What's Not series, What's Not Said, What's Not True, and then then the third one. So What's Not True uh, continues the story of a middle-aged marketing executive named Cassie O'Callaghan. And kind of this is her month, the, you know, March, the Irish month, so I'm going to have to do something about that. (laughs) Um, but the, the first line in the novel, which is, we should have stayed in Venice, I think sets the stage for what becomes this topsy-turvy installment of the story. Um, at the start, um, the court date for Cassie's divorce is set, and she thinks that the future with the young man that she wanted to run away with, she thinks that future is kaput, it's done. So she um, shifts all of her attention to her marketing career and her ambition and decides to go on vacation to Venice. But, of course, what happens, she runs into the younger guy there, and he convinces her to move their rendezvous to Paris. So while they're in Paris, she gets two proposals, a business proposal and a marriage proposal. Of course, they both conflict. So as she's trying to decide what she's going to do about this, she learns that her soon-to-be-divorced husband has had a heart attack, and she rushes to his side in Boston. When she gets there, she runs into a buzzsaw. Her husband also had his own love interest 
who now is confronting Cassie at every level. She wants Cassie's husband, his business, the house, the money, everything. But Cassie will defend everything that she believes is legally and rightfully hers. And in the process, secrets that have been hidden for a lifetime are revealed and she learns that sometimes it's what's not true that can set you free. Hmm. Ta-da. This is like a Valerie Taylor soap opera. It is. <laughs> well, it's a Cassie O'Callaghan soap opera. It is, it is. But you're behind her. You're behind her. There's I'm little... <laughs> behind her, yeah. I know that. So what themes from the first book did you carry into this one? Oh, so that the first book, I um, uh, reviewed it after it was in a full manuscript, uh, came up to be uh, emotional abuse. So that is that does not necessarily carry through the second book, which is kind of a good thing. I think I left it all in the first one. Right. But in that book... Um, Cassie and her husband, Mike, they did everything, they did the wrong things wrong, okay? They didn't, they couldn't do anything right for each other. So in this, in what's not true, it, it reverses course, I believe. And, and so it's about forgiveness. You know, his, his heart attack, you know, kind of makes her have to face him and vice versa. And so there is a scene in the book um, where they, uh, I shouldn't be giving spoilers, but they they confront um, what they've done to each other. And so I think that that is, is the theme that runs through the second book. Mm-hmm. So Cassie didn't have to go back to him because he had a heart attack. She could have said, hey, we're over, I'm moving on. Well, and she wanted to do that, but the the fellow that she's with um, works for Mike in the business, so he has to convince her to go back for the business, and so she, she's not really happy about that, <laughs> but she goes. She's forced to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, she is. So this is part of a trilogy. And I'm wondering, I haven't talked to anyone about this before, um, what pressures, if any, do you feel when writing a trilogy? Um, a lot. <laughs> uh, and, and I think one of the reasons that um, I feel pressure or, and have felt pressure about it was because I didn't plan it to begin with. Right. I, when I wrote What's Not Said and I wrote The End at the End, I threw up my hands and I was clapped and said, this is great, it's done. And then my readers kept asking me, well, what about the, what, what's going to happen with Cassie and Chris? And so I had to sit down and kind of plan out what's not true on a single sheet of paper. I bulleted out, just like Cassie would, and discovered that I had enough. So enough of a story to tell. But then as I was writing it, the second one, What's Not True, I wrote it in a way that there could be a third, where I I didn't necessarily, I 
consciously I didn't do that in what's not said, but I did do it in what's not true. So I think writers who are planning a series or who want to write a series often do that. You know, they, they plan it out so that they know, but I didn't, when I wrote what's not true, I didn't plan what's not lost, which will be the third one. I didn't plan it out, but I left uh, a cliffhanger, if you will, at the end, so that I had a jumping-off starting point. Um, so that's, I mean, it, it, it's difficult because when I started to write what's not true, I had to say to myself, okay, um, you know, what do these people look like? You know, where is it that they live around Boston? You know. What, uh, what are the voices that they have? What what are their tones? What what characters do I want to keep? What do I want to add? Um, so it was easier in some ways uh, than the first book uh, because I I did have the basic uh, cast of characters in front of me, um, but I studied a little bit about how to write a sequel and knew that I had to add a character or two. So then that makes the third book, the process, a little bit easier because I, I kind of knew what I was getting into. Interesting. I was thinking about that, especially if um, you didn't plan to write a trilogy, which you did not. I would okay. imagine it would be a lot of pressure to think, oh my, now you've got reader expectations and you've got to live up to those, to something you hadn't even given thought to. So you had to pause and go back and make a big plan for that. That is, mm -hmm. that is true. And, and what I have found is that when I wrote the first book, it was me and my computer screen, right? But then as you go on and you're writing the next book and you're getting reviews of the, the um, when you're writing the second book and you're getting reviews on the first book, um, you're reading those reviews and those suddenly uh, end up in your brain, okay? And so, you know, the things that people like, um, you want to continue that. And then the things that they didn't like, um, it's easy to say, okay, well, you know, I won't go down that path because, you know, people didn't like the intimate scenes, so I'll do less of that, you know, type of thing. And that's not good. In fact, um, I was trying to find it again. Uh, I, a, a week or two ago, I saw a quote by Stephen King uh, where, where he was responding to somebody saying, you know, you, you kind of, whether it was you, you have to write to the market or you have to write to your audience or something like that. And his very simplistic way of saying it is just write mm -hmm. because you know, people um, people do crazy things, and sometimes, you know, sometimes a murderer uh, actually does help an elderly lady across the street. So you can't, you know, if you get too much to writing either in a formula or for what you think your reader will uh, think favorable, then you're not really being true to yourself. And to what you want to say. So, you know, I, I 
I'm a Stephen King advocate, so <laughs> I've got to go by what he says. <laughs> no, that makes sense. I never, well, consciously, I guess I never thought to put the put this into words, but you did, where reviews become part of the writing process. You said your first book, it was just you and your computer, but the second book, you already had reviews from the first. So those reviews do become part of the writing process, whether they should or they shouldn't, they're there. How do you get rid of them and forge your own path? Lately, I've, um, you know, at first, as you can imagine, as a, uh, you know, inspiring author, you know, newly published author, you read, you know, you hunt for those reviews and, and you get really excited when that's a good one. And then, and then you see, you know, a not so good one come through and, and you read it and, and, and you, and you really take it to heart. Mm -hmm. And so I've, uh, I've learned to take care of my heart a little bit better <laughs> lately. And, um, I mean, I'm still getting reviews for what's not said, mm -hmm. um, which is a good thing, you know. It is. It is it's such human nature that you can get 10 positive pieces of praise and then somebody looks at you sideways and that's what you remember and that's what you dwell on. That's right. And it's not a good thing. No, it's not. It's not. You have to work hard for that. Excellent conversation. Thank you. I, I think we've um, cracked open a couple of new thoughts here. So we'll stick with the trilogy advice for a moment before we head, head on to a different topic. Any advice then, now that you are to become a trilogy author, what advice mm -hmm. would you give to someone who is anticipating writing three books? Well, I, I would. Um... I would suggest that they think of titles that for their books that are um, complementary, which I certainly have done. Mm -hmm. um, and that's my, my marketing background in me. I'm not sure that has anything to do with being an author. It's more of the 30-plus years of marketing that I did. But I also would um, suggest that they... Uh, you know, find a really good uh, protagonist that um, that not just that grows in the first book, but then he or she has to grow in the second book, and then she he or she has to grow again in the third book, so or more. So you have it's it's not just about storytelling. I think that there are some quote unquote series out there that you know are really kind of standalone uh, books, but they're they they don't necessarily connect with one another, but mine do. Mine is a is a continuation. Right. Um, and and so I think that there I think that there's a need to um, really map out your 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 character, um, what you know what they look like, what they sound like, uh, their likes and dislikes, uh, you know their friends and family. And write it down <laughs> mm -hmm. and keep it somewhere safe. Um, and also think of your secondary characters. I think that's really important because um, the secondary characters um, often will reveal um, more about the protagonist or the antagonist than, than those two characters do on their own. Right. So I think a, a supporting cast is, right. is really important. Um, and then, 
lastly, what I would say is um, just write it. And um, if you get if you get to a point um, where you've got too many ideas in your first book, just put them in the second book, and then just put those in the second book into the third book. <laughs> so, I, and I, I'm, at, I'm at that um, point right now with the third one where I could just keep going on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could go on to a fourth book, but I'm saying, no, I'm going to end it at the third. We're not going to have a double trilogy, huh? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> if there's such a thing. <laughs> Yeah, I hope that was helpful. Yes, thank you. Thank you. It's always helpful to hear from somebody who's actually in the throes of doing it to find out what they think they did right, what they did wrong, what they would do differently. And, you know, you talked about your your marketing hat in the titles, the selection of the titles, what's not said, what's not true, what's not lost. Well, you also continue that marketing in with your covers because what's not said and what's not true, you look at them and they, they're definitely see the connection between the two right and so i'm i'm working on ideas for the for the third one and i i think i've got it mm-hmm. uh, but we'll see what the publisher thinks <laughs> oh, that's always fun to work on the covers well now you have a page on your website where you share books that you are reading and mm-hmm. uh, i thought found that to be interesting not many websites include that and i thought well by reading those books, it must help you as a writer. So let's just talk about how the reading of these books helps you to grow as an author. You know, there there have been times over the last year, especially as I've been writing the third book, where I said to myself, well, maybe I should just finish the third book and just become a full-time book reviewer. Um, because I there's aspects of it that I, I really enjoy and, and um, others that I don't. But um, when I think when you become a writer, an author, a published author, and then you sit down to read a book, which I do every night, um, the experience is very different than I than it was six years ago. Uh, when I would I, I would read, you know, purely for enjoyment. Now I'm reading because I want to learn something. I want to learn about this particular author, uh, their writing style, their ideas, uh, something about them, wh- you know, wh- why they would write a book like, like I'm reading. Um, but then I also become very critical of, uh, of their writing style, mm-hmm. <laughs> of their ideas. Yep. Um, and I, I, I never took an MFA, but I do have a, you know, a writing background from my career, and so I I really do tend to, you know, sit there with a marker and a pen and and circle things, and and I I started actually a, a notebook, uh, not that I'm going to plagiarize, but when I when I see a turn of a phrase that I like or a word, or last night I, I saw, I was struggling how yesterday how to spell a certain word, and I, I couldn't find it in online anywhere. But last night I'm reading something, and there's the word. Oh. <laughs> and, and it was spelled totally different than what I thought. And it, it was like, I'm not going to say what the word was, but 
it has a Z in it instead of an S, and so that's why I was having trouble finding, finding it. Finding it. Oh. So it, it's it's totally a learning experience, but I, I still enjoy. And and with the the book reviews that I do, um, I'm reading uh, genres that I wouldn't normally read, mm-hmm. and so that's um, I think really beneficial in helping me create my my plots, my characters, my uh, world, you know, building, whatever. Um, so it it really expands my universe as a as a writer mm-hmm. to be able to read other people. I can't imagine um, not reading. I mean, I read constantly. And and back to my Stephen King <laughs> reference, it, he wrote a book years ago ago called On Writing, which I think is a Bible right. for many authors. And in it, and I read it, you know, what, 20 years ago or whatever. And, and in it, he says, you should always have a book with you because you never know when you're going to be standing at the bank line or standing at the um, grocery line and you, and you have five minutes to just open your book and you read a few pages. Mm-hmm. So I'm not that crazy, <laughs> but, but with, with our, with our iPhones and iPads and everything now, sure. we do have access. True. To our to books that we're reading wherever we are, so I think that's a great thing. It is a great thing, and when you were talking about as an author, when you read other books, I find that as as well with myself. So, as I read, I don't even read for enjoyment because you're picking out things that you like, as you say, that you like, that you don't like, that you, you wish they would stop doing. You, you almost can't read to enjoy anymore as a non-writing reader would. It puts you in a different mindset. Right. And even watching um, films, you know, movies, you know, after you've written a book or you've taken a class on writing a novel or whatever and you you learn how to do it and the different parts of a novel, which which was totally new to me, the same thing applies to movies, okay, that there's an arc, right? And so I'll be watching um, a movie, and I'll and I, I know, you know, what what the the inciting event is at the beginning, and I know, you know, the muddy middle, and I know where the climax is, and so, you know, it, it can it can help enhance the enjoyment, or it can deter. So it just all depends. Maybe I should have a drink before I either read or watch a movie. So that would <laughs> either that or you could just watch Hallmark movies because that that whole the whole plot line or whatever the climax and the in the middle muddy middle everything's the same. You, you could predict exactly oh, what goes yeah. on. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> Drive drives you a little nuts when you watch a few of them, which I do sometimes just to zone out and like, oh my gosh. He's going to walk away because she thinks that he doesn't, and then he's coming back, yeah. and then it's going to be over. So we but, all we but you know that's that's really good to you know just as I say I read I'm starting to read different things than I would normally I I've started um, I'm not binge watching it but I I started watching Outlander mm-hmm. last week and so I'm doing like one episode um, a night and um, 
and it's and I I don't want to give it away <laughs> for people who haven't started it yet, but uh, I'm really enjoying it. But what's really funny because I do it at night and I'm you know I'm lying on my couch and I'm kind of a little tired or whatever. And in the last couple of episodes, I um, I kind of drift off and then I come back on where you know and the protagonist is, is, is a time traveler, okay? And so um, I come back on uh, to watch when she's being, like, attacked by her husband in, in, in you know, 200 years ago. <laughs> so it's like, why do I keep waking up kind of at <laughs> same a point. similar point? <laughs> you know, so it's really fun. But it, it, it's good. But, it again, it, it, it stretches me to, you know, I... I haven't read um, the author's book, so I'm not sure I will because I think they're they're quite long. But I, you know, I was thinking this morning, how did she even come up with that idea? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's really a cool thing. Well, talking about stretching yourself, so let's say you're done with what's not lost, and we're not going to do a double trilogy. Would you ever consider writing in a completely different uh, genre? Absolutely, and I'm, uh, and that's one of the reasons why I want to get what's not lost in the can, as it were, um, because I'm really excited about writing a cozy mystery. Uh-huh. And um, in in what's not lost, <clears throat> one of the characters, secondary characters, some of the third level character, uh, I brought in is. I think I'm going to spin off to be um, the sleuth, as, as, uh, if you will, in, in the cozy mystery. So um, I'm really excited about that. I have a lot of work and studying to do on it, but I, I want to get that started oh, as well. That's fun. Are there always cats in cozy mysteries? Yes. <laughs> there's um, cats and dogs and food <laughs> and um, no sex. And um, these are things that I'm learning. <laughs> Half food, no sex, a little town. Um, there could be a dead body at the beginning or not. I've been reading certainly more Agatha Christie, and I think, you know, certainly um, last night I I listened, you know, to um, the Raven. Um, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so I'm, I'm yeah, oh, and and watching. Uh, what is it? Murder, she wrote. Ah. Okay. So that, so cats is, and, and cats are really important. In fact, I'll, I'll let everybody in on a little secret here. One of the things that people loved about what's not said was the cat in the story. And so he's a little bit in the second book, but not as much as the first. And that is one of the comment that mm-hmm. I, I got that people love the cat they wanted more of the cat <laughs> and, I, and I thought that was really funny because I had already started the third book and the cat has a major role <laughs> in the third book so oh there's gosh. that I love that I love that well you, you're getting a lot of prepping by watching Murder She Wrote and all of these reading or listening to The Raven you're prepping for your for your cozy mystery, which is going to be exciting. So we've got we've got lots it more is. of Valerie Taylor coming along. I am absolutely sure of that. All right, my friend, before we begin to wrap up, anything we missed that you want to highlight today? Um, I'm 
don't think so. I think we covered quite a bit of um, we landscape. <laughs> we're, we're good at that. We're good at that. Oh, one thing we did want to say is that during these difficult times that we're going through, um, just, just mentally watching the world go by, your two books is a nice break, just a way to escape oh. and enjoy. So I hope folks take that bit of advice and say, I'm going to read Valerie Taylor's books this evening just so I can have a little mental break. Well, thank you for that. And yes, that is one of the comments on a review that I got that someone said, turn off your Netflix and read this book instead. So I would, I would uh, second that for sure. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> well, share all of your places we need to go to find you okay. and your books. So my website is simply ValerieTaylorAuthor.com. And then I am, of course, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram as well, mostly as Valerie E. Taylor or Valerie E. M. Taylor, but you, you can find me. I also have a newsletter uh, that people can sign up on uh, or for through the website. Um, so there's a subscribe button. And I, I don't spam people. I'm trying to do something once a quarter, and I've, I've uh, actually branded it. Um, behind and ahead because I'm what I'm trying to do is uh, focus on the uh, reader and not on me mm -hmm. and each um, issue of the newsletter I'm focusing on a country uh, like Italy or Portugal the next one's going to be in Australia and I I do a little research about um, an author in that in that country as well as something about their libraries or bookstores or their history and literature. So I'm having kind of a lot of fun with that as well. Excellent. All right. So it's ValerieTaylorAuthor.com. Her first book is What's Not Said and the second, What's Not True. So get a hold of those and enjoy those just as much as I've enjoyed talking with you. I was looking forward to our second conversation. You're fun to talk to. Thank you so much well, for Thank you, for Pat. It's a lot of fun. I appreciate it. And hopefully we'll be doing this next year as well. So. I hope so, too. Thank you.